This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Redmond's Real Salt. If you follow my work on Nutrition with Judy, you know that I'm a big fan of using unrefined salts, and one of my favorites is Redmond's. Redmond's was one of the main sponsors of the Carnivore 75 Heart Initial Challenge. Redmond's not only has salts, they also have organic seasonings, which my husband uses all the time to cook with. And they also have toothpaste or earth paste that has no fluoride or chemicals and toxins. I love using earth paste with my kids and even on myself. We also use their facial detoxing supports like their facial mud and bentonite clay. They also have clay baby powder that is safer than conventional baby powders. And most of all, they have my favorite carnivore shirt and sweatshirts that I love to wear while working offline. I'm sure by now most of you use Redmond Salt, but if you haven't checked out all their other goods, make sure to go to redmond.life and at checkout use code NWJ to get 15% off your purchase. Make sure to check out Redmond's and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's, it's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hi, guys. I am so excited、uh, that we're able to be here with you today.、Um, my name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my amazing friend and nutritionist, Judy. Hi, Judy. Hey, Laura. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Judy, how's your week been going? It's been good.、Uh, lots of clients,、uh, lots of hair mineral tests have been coming in. So, been working on that. And,、um, you know, we've been talking also offline about a lot of the jujitsu for kids. And so, I finally got my kids signed up. We ordered some geese, and it's been really exciting to get them started. Good. I know my kids have been doing that for a couple of months and are loving it. So, I can't wait to hear about what your boys think of it as well. Yeah, we actually went、um, this weekend and It's so technical. I was like, I am so glad I'm not the one out there learning all these things. So they just learned something called like the crab, the crab crawler. I don't even、yeah. know what it's called, but I was just like, wow, that's it. It seems like a hard, a、uh, lot of hard work, but it seems like it'll be really rewarding. 
Good. They'll catch on fast too. Like my kids are, are five and seven and I bought a mat. So they're like doing sparring mm -hmm. and now and doing all kinds of like takedowns and practicing at home. So they're having a good time with it. It's, it's a good way to keep them active, especially while it's going to be 120 degrees for us over the summer in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited and um, yeah, we'll see what happens with it. So, you know, let's get into the topic of this week. We've been seeing a lot of um, banter and just in social media about, you know, a lot of people seem to be leaving carnivore and not just carnivore that they're leaving, but, you know, there's just kind of some like negative talk about it. And in this conversation, we will probably just talk through like what's going on, um, you know, why maybe some people are leaving and then what, what, what does that mean for you? And, um, you know, Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about is just us sharing our opinion and, you know, what I guess actionable items that can mean for you and how to take things more realistically and practically and ways for you to just eat a meat-based diet and uh, find one that works for you. I, th I think the interesting thing, like you mentioned, is that you know, there are people who are really big advocates for the carnivore diet, um, whether they're well-known or not, but then they leave. And not only do they just decide it's not working for them anymore, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, that can't be good anymore at all for anybody. Uh, and I think that's the part that has been kind of confusing or, or harder for me to understand, especially from somebody who's not an expert, um, is like, how can they all of a sudden be a, you know, super advocate one day and then be really anti the next? Um, and kind of where's that transition and where does that come from? Um, and so I think that's something that we can really dig into today. Um, neither one of us eats plants regularly, but I think we both understand why people could or would want to um, and can go back and forth to that. But, but it is interesting, like, where does the carnivore hate come from at times, um, which I think is a good thing for us to discuss. Yeah. And we can talk about, I mean, where, you know, the different camps that may be leaving or that just aren't, you know, the biggest fans of carnivore and what that all means. So I'll just kind of give my spin right now of, you know, there are dogmatic people in any diet. So if you are vegan and if you decide to have some honey or some eggs, people will say you are no longer vegan, you are vegetarian. And even in the vegetarian world, if you eat like um, some broth with some meat in it or a meat-based broth, some people will say you are no longer vegetarian. That is just dogma. And the thing is, I think um, I'm speaking for both Laura and I, but we're both not big fans of the dogmatic world of those things. So if we use a yeah. little bit of spices or herbs on our meats, so be it. Um, if you can tolerate some of these types of plant foods on your meat, then that's not a big deal. If you want a little bit of flavor, not a big deal again. Um, but if you, and then if you want to add variety because, hey, you know, you've been eating meat-based for a while and you just kind of miss some plants, or if you want to add more because you just want to see if you, now you can handle more flexibility and you are just ready to add more, not a big deal. Again, I would still consider that carnivore. I mean, it's, you know, I always say this, but there is no award that you get for being carnivore. There is no perfect carnivore. And it's just, if you are mostly meat-based, that's the ideal way of eating. I mean, it's the most nutrient-dense, but it's not I think there's, there's a lot of people out there who have eat carnivore most of the time, and then on a holiday, they enjoy some other things and some side dishes. And for some people, maybe that's carbs. For some of us, like myself, like I can't really handle that kind of balance or that kind of moderation. It really triggers me, so I don't have a cheat day. Um, but there's if you wanted to have 
a keto side dish or something else on a holiday, I think there's a lot of people who operate in that 90% meat-based world and do really well. Um, and I still consider them carnivore as well. I think it just, you have to find what works for you. I think, I mean, if you know me at all, you know, I can't do that because having some sort of side dish or having a keto treat or having something like that is going to kind of set me off and, it make it a lot mentally harder for me to stay on track and it's going to kind of be a slippery slope with eating a bunch of stuff I'm not supposed to, to make me gain weight and make me not feel good anymore. But it doesn't make me not a carnivore or it doesn't make somebody not meat based, I guess, uh, if they are doing that. And I think a lot of people live in that 90% world and are really happy. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And I think just because you now eat maybe 5% or 10% of your diet with, um, you know, some added plant type foods, then that doesn't mean that you are now anti-carnivore. You know, I think it's where we need to just let go of these kind of dogmas and like stigmas of, oh, now that you eat this, well, you're not a real carnivore. And I've, I've heard that in this space where when I first joined myself, I mean, if we had any types of like spices, we weren't technically, maybe technically not carnivore, even adding coffee, but who cares at the end of the day, who cares? Right. So, but the thing is where I do have a little heartburn is when people say carnivore does not work or a meat right. diet does not work because you need the fiber or you need it for um, good gut health or you need it for whatever the carbs reason. for hormones is right. the big conversation. I think that's a, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but it's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. And to me, it's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's, that's not meat because you're missing something. And that's the part that I, I guess, disagree with uh, and end up getting frustrated with people who maybe announce that they're leaving. They make this big grand departure because they need something different um, and then also at the same time say that everybody needs that same thing that's different, right? Sure. And, and, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I've worked with over now 200 clients um, and on a very private one-on-one individual level. And I'm sorry, but none of them had to add plants back, whether to get their period, whether to balance their hormones. So I understand that people say, hey, I've worked with a certain amount of clients. I've worked with this. I've worked with that. But I don't see the clients one. And so until someone is working consistently with clients that are meat-based and that say, hey, because of my hormones, I had to add back plants or I needed to add back plants for my gut health. Until I see that, I, I just have a really hard time believing it because maybe for your N equals one, that may be true, but there could be other things that may be true within you know, that person's kind of situation, but I don't think it's necessarily that it is true. Um, and we yeah. can talk about a few of the camps that are leaving. So um, some of the reasons why I think people are leaving is maybe they're just not doing the diet right, right? So, you know, Laura, you and I have talked about this sometimes, but we find sometimes that people undereat, right? So like sometimes there are camps of people that just start undereating in a day, then their hormones start getting messed up or they're starting to lose their hair or um, they're losing their period and they're just like, you know, I'm losing the weight or I felt initially better, but over time I'm just not feeling well. But I think it's because they may just not be eating enough meat and protein um, and fats. And so when you go, you're eating a keto diet or a standard diet, you're eating meat with a side of veggies, with a side of carbs, with a side of whatever. And then you cut those things out and all you're eating is meat. Some people are not increasing their portion sizes or increasing their fat content in that way. And then not only are they under eating, they're over exercising 
I'm a big believer in fasting in general, but there's a difference between fasting and then under eating daily, right? If you're eating a thousand calories every day or whatever that low number is, that's way different than eating 2000 calories every day and then skipping a day uh, occasionally. So I think that's where kind of all of those combinations, people are not adding enough food back. You just, you don't get hungry anymore when you're uh, a carnivore, hangry. So right. you just find, I, I, I also think too, there's an element of the under eater mentality that comes with like, you're losing weight, you're putting pressure on yourself and you end up just striving to be thinner and thinner. And I know I've fallen into that camp before. And I think that's also part of that under eating mentality is your desire to continue to get thinner. I've been guilty of that mindset before and you just keep pushing yourself and that at some point your hormones are not okay, but it's a combination of the under eating, the overexercising, the fasting, the, I got too thin. Those are the things that affected me negatively. Yeah. And I mean, even from my own personal world, I mean, I struggled with an eating disorder for, I mean, I don't really know exactly how long, but at least 12 years. And then during that period, there was a period I got really, really thin. And my guy friends used to tell me that I get it, Judy, you want to look like a model, but your head is like bigger than the rest of your body. And you kind of look like a bobblehead. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I've made it, right? Like that was the thought that I had when my guy was telling me or my guy friend was telling me that I look sickly. And I was like, yes, I made it, right? He's like comparing me to those like magazine uh, featured women. And the thing is, when you are so disordered with your eating, the benchmark will always get lower. And so I was like, yes, I hit yeah. X amount of weight. I'm just going to try to lose two more pounds. Oh, just a little bit more fat around my waist or around my legs or whatever it is. And it gets really, really dangerous really quickly. And I see in the carnivore space, um, you know, I've mentioned this in several podcasts, but when I was hosting Carnivore 75 Heart, I would see people share their meals. And some of them, for a whole day's worth of eating was maybe 800 calories. Yeah. And fine, maybe you could do that once a week. But if that becomes your everyday type of eating, it becomes super dangerous. And that's when um, your body is going to prioritize the most important areas of your body for survival. So if that means that it needs to produce cortisol to keep your blood sugar balance in you alive, and um, well, then there goes your hormones, right? So maybe it's not the low-carb meat-based diet, but maybe you're just not eating enough so that whether it's your hormones that are created from fat, so steroid hormones are created from fat, which is cholesterol um, and then cortisol, or it's your thyroid hormones are made from proteins and iodine. And so maybe you're actually deficient in those and you're just not nourishing your body enough. And it's not really that, hey, I actually need carbs. So the people there, you know, there are people who under eat at some point I got to a point where I couldn't eat as much in one meal I thought OMAD was the, the way that I had to eat it's what helped me to not overeat right because in the beginning I could eat two massive meals a day which is why I was doing great with one meal but then at some point I couldn't eat as much anymore and recently after three years I've had to switch to start eating two meals um, because I I did that I kind of checked in and was like wow I'm not even barely eating a thousand calories anymore like this is definitely not healthy long term so I think those people are kind of at that point saying, this is not working for me. My hormones are not great. They are tanking. And then they decide to go back and they think they need what carbs, orange juice, yeah. sweet potatoes. Like those are the things that are going to fix their hormones potentially. No, no. I was just going to say, well, that gets into our kind of the second camp of people, which are the people that 
you know, may try carnivore for the weekdays. And then on the weekends, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to eat whatever I want or add a little bit of dark chocolate or some nuts. And then they try back on the weekdays and they just never get to that point of where, you know, some people will call it zero carbs then. Um, but they just don't always, they're just not dedicated to doing truly zero carb for at least 90 days, feeling their best, and then figuring out, should I add some plants? Um, or they're just maybe the type that their loose stools never went away, even after 90 days. And they're just like, I'm just going to muscle through it. I heard that we shouldn't use supplements on carnivore, or we don't need anything else but meat and just eat two pounds of meat. And so they follow all these kind of rules that they've come into, and they never really get to root cause. And then after a while, they're just like, this is not working. And I'm just going to leave. Um, Carnivore ruined my hormones. Carnivore just, I never felt the benefits. But it's sometimes it's like, if you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder, the only common denominator is me. So at a certain point, is it really the diet? Or is it really you? And that's where we have to just take that kind of hard moment and really think to ourselves, are we really doing it the way that's beneficial? Or is it this quick fix kind of quick diet that we think will help us to, you know, have this great physique, but not care about our hormonal health, our long term health? Yeah. I mean, if you want to lose weight fast and still have cheat days once a week, you can't do that on carnivore. Like it doesn't work that way because unless you're, I mean, I obviously have the experience from the weight loss perspective and and you're dig a lot more into the healing perspective. But just for me, from a weight loss perspective, if I were to have like a cheat meal every Friday night, first of all, it would never stop there. I would end up cheating all weekend. (laughs) I could gain 10 pounds easily every weekend, but if I were to have a cheat meal every Friday night, there's so many carbs in my, it takes my body several days to like burn all that stuff out. I feel terrible again. You're going through the carb withdrawal again. You have to really transition your body back into fat burning mode again. So by the time I'm really feeling good again, finally, Friday comes around again and I have my other cheat night. So yeah. if somebody is doing cheat meals once a week, I guarantee you, you're never going to lose weight doing carnivore because all the f- high fat you're consuming during the week, your body's going to store because it's digging for that sugar. And it's kind of the only way, like I have really good friends who are trying to do this for weight loss and I, but they still like once a week think that they could just have like a cheat meal and it's no big deal. And from that perspective, consistency matters so much more than anything. I mean, with any obviously way that you're trying to lose weight, um, consistency matters. But if you want to have regular cheat meals, you certainly can't do high fat the rest of the time or you're going to end up feeling terrible. Like you just have to be calorie restriction if that's what you want to do. And that doesn't work for, for most people either. But I'm sure from your perspective and a healing perspective, like what does that occasional cheats do for somebody who's trying to heal their gut or heal their yeah. autoimmune issues? Yeah. So, I mean, when people cheat, it will definitely, um, you know, have them regress a little bit. But the bigger thing I see is more that um, they don't, they're scared of eating a lot of fat. So I don't focus on thyroid health, but it's interesting. But I would say most of my clients have thyroid imbalances. And so a lot of them are um, hypothyroid, or they have Hashimoto's, even though I focus on gut health. And so oftentimes, we will focus on the gut. And a lot of times just focusing on the gut, we need to eat a higher fat, you know, um, meat based diet. And sometimes, they will gain a little bit of weight, but it's because they've also not eaten enough protein or not eaten enough fat in their past. And they have these now imbalances, whether it's mineral imbalance, whether there was gut issues, and now their thyroid isn't as 
functioning as well. And that can also attribute to weight gain. And so sometimes we have to first heal the body and that may cause some weight gain at first. Um, Some of my clients, that's some of their biggest complaints is, hey, I'm sleeping better. My moods are better. X, Y, Z is better, but now I'm starting to gain a little bit of weight. And that's when also- Can I ask you a question about that? So the people who are gaining weight with you, are they, do you think in general, they are morbidly obese, obese, overweight, or just average to underweight? What, what category do they typically start in if they're gaining weight? They're closer to normal. So that's funny. I never thought about that, but because this is the part that gets me very frustrated. This is just a thing. I am somebody who started as morbidly obese and obese and came to this diet. I did not gain weight whatsoever. Mm. Every single time I have heard about somebody gaining weight on carnivore, I gained weight on carnivore for the first six months I had healing to do a hundred. I have never heard of a case of somebody who started out as obese, morbidly obese, or even overweight and gained weight doing this, especially if they were coming from a standard American diet. A hundred percent of the people that I have talked to of all of the people I've talked to on, on all the platforms that were obese, morbidly obese, or overweight lost weight immediately based just simply because you're cutting out all the junk from your diet. So I, I do understand people can gain weight at first and it is a very real thing. But I think that anybody who is in that overweight category, who's thinking about starting this and is scared to gain more weight, like you're not going to do that. Yeah. And that you're right. And that is true. So where, okay. So I have had just a handful of, I would say morbidly obese people. And what I do see is they may not lose weight. And the thing is because they're, so no one comes to me, almost no one comes to me from a standard American diet. It's normally that they've been keto. And so then they went carnivore because their weight loss had stalled. And so they're thinking, am I doing something wrong? And most women that I work with, when I track their calories, so we'll go through a day of, okay, what have you been eating? And most women that I work with, they're, they're eating maybe a thousand calories, 1100 calories. And they're just like, I'm not that hungry though. And their protein amount is so low. And so when I have, and so especially when you're coming from keto, you're used to eating very little protein. And so they've been just eating some of like the coconut oil, or they were eating like the MCT oil or the, you know, just a little bit of oil, but not really adding excess butter or anything like that. And so when I ask them to then um, fill their stomach with more protein and fats instead of just adding like, you know, the veggies that kind of filled their stomach when they were eating low calorie, they start, um, I would say the morbidly obese, they would plateau or maybe they're losing weight very slowly and they're unhappy about that. But it is the people that are more closer to normal weight or they were thin and then those are the ones that gain weight. And you're right. It's because they were eating so little and maybe their bodies just trying to get balanced, but that's the only reason they're gaining weight. It's not that they were morbidly obese or even obese at when they started working with me. So yeah, I think when I right. switched from like one meal a day to two meals, I had been under eating for a few months. My weight loss had been stalled. I switched to two meals. I started eating more calories. I think for two weeks, like nothing happened or I fluctuated a few pounds. And then after really feeding my body for a couple of weeks, then I started dropping weight again. But when I was 250 plus pounds, and switched to this way of eating, there was never a moment where I gained weight because I had over a hundred pounds to lose. And so sure. I think that that's definitely the difference. Um, what ki- type of diet are you coming from? And maybe this is a whole other episode that yeah. we can get into sometime, but like, you know, that is just a part that I think people use being scared to come to carnivore um, in the first place because they're scared of gaining weight when they already are a hundred pounds overweight. And I just, this, this it's not common. 
Right. I and I mean, I think the ultimate thing is just get to root cause and just be patient. Yes. I have clients that the two week stall will cause them to say, start doubting. And that's yes. when I'm just like, two weeks is not a lot of time. It's just a blip in time. If you think of the total time you're alive and the total time you've been kind of not well. And so just be a little patient. And it's so hard for us to be patient in this sort of you know, now, now, now type of world, but we just need to be patient. And then, then I start having my uh, clients cut in other areas. So if they're starting to sleep better, then I'll say, okay, maybe you don't need to be at 80% fat. Maybe now you can try 75. And so that's automatically a caloric deficit, right? Not deficit in weight. Like I never recommend eating less than 1600 or anything like that, but you know, maybe they'll be eating less. Um, or there will be days where fine, maybe once a week, you don't have to add the added fat, but make sure the utmost importance is that you're still sleeping through the night. You still have your energy levels and things like that, but there are always ways to lose weight, but there are not a lot of ways to heal. And that's what we need to remember because the reality is, and this is kind of getting into like the third group of people that are, you know, leaving with such harsh words that were once advocates for the carnivore diet is I get it. It doesn't work for you as well, or you wish to work better, but now two, three, four years, I don't know how many years, but years into the diet and being an advocate, now you're saying it doesn't work. I can't help but wonder, well, you've also done a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, and you've yeah. also said those don't work, and you are also advocates for that. So at one point, will you also say whatever new diet you're working is also not working, right? I mean, we do diets because it kind of gives us the guardrail, so it makes sense why we say we're on a diet. Obviously, it should be more of a lifestyle, but it's easier when we just say, oh, I'm on a keto diet. I'm on a paleo diet. It helps someone else understand, okay, so you basically don't eat dairy or you basically don't eat nuts, right? These are simple things to follow. But for all these people, I mean, that are leaving or that saying, you know what, carnivore is not long-term or carnivore, um, your cells need sugar for energy because glucose is needed. All of these things may hold true for those people in their sort of lifestyle. But the bigger picture is most of America is overweight and most of America is sick. And most of America may, many Americans may suffer from autoimmune or they may have a food addiction or a carb addiction. I had a client just recently tell me that they haven't seen their son. Sorry, I'm getting emotional, but their son for over a year because they're scared of COVID because she's morbidly obese and she started crying on me. And when I think of someone like her and saying, well, you know what, you shouldn't be eating chicken poofas, or you shouldn't be eating this poofa, or you shouldn't, you know, or for her, all she wants to do is get healthier so she can see her son. And when I think of people like that, it's just a disservice to say, hey, watch the poofas in the chicken grocery store meat, even if there's truth in these for the average person, it doesn't matter, right? For the average person that wants to just get better, it's just stick with meat. Um, it can possibly give you a new lease on life. For some of my clients that are, have autoimmune deficiencies or that have um, other where their immune system responds to everything, they can't even eat half of the foods that even carnivores can eat. If they ate a little bit of dairy, they would be on the sofa for the whole day. Um, I have clients that can't eat certain meats and some of them even have a beef allergy where they will now have a rheumatoid arthritis flare. And so when you think of these people, the only option they have right now for survival is a meat-based diet. And when you think of people like this, it's there are so many more people that have never heard of a meat-based diet. And so if we were to just share and make it an option that people can try instead of, hey, this is a diet you can only do for a sh- short period or it can yeah. actually make it negative for you, 
that's so sad when there are people in this world that can do so well with it. And I think there's so much context to it. Yes, other people can eat other things. You can have honey if you want to. If you're like the people who want to go exercise all the time and there's things. But there are people who are sick and that can't do those things. And to say that you need it or you need those carbs or like if that, you know, those people that you're mentioning were so concerned about their fat to protein ratio or grass fed or grain fed or all of those things. Like I would go still, if I had to eat all those things that you're mentioning and worry about where my chicken was sourced and I would go back to eating pizza and Twinkies and like Ben and Jerry's every single night because it's not sustainable for me. And it's not going to, it's not going to keep me that way. I think those things, the context matters. And like you said, if somebody is stalled out for two weeks, they get so frustrated. And the problem is when they see all these people that are kind of advertising a quicker way, a better alternative, a new flashy trick, something that's a quick fix, something that's like, well, you're doing it wrong with carnivore. You need to do this and you need to have sweet potatoes and you need to have this, you know, percentage of something else, or you need to buy this test. Like those are the things that we all can agree that everybody here needs meat and we all need meat to heal. And what happens in that is great. And I wish we all could just stop and finish the statement and agree on those things versus then requiring something else besides the meat, right? Like, let's all start with the same foundation and build your own little city, build your own little buildings inside of the same city of the foundation of the fact that we all need meat, but stop saying that like my house is the only way or like I lost my analogy there somewhere, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like my way is this is the only way to do it. You need this element for your health, when in reality, we all just need to be eating meat and find out what works for best for us after that. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll have a, you know, whole different podcast on, you know, influencers and social media and what all that means. But, you know, I was talking with someone that's a pretty big social media influencer and talking about all the confusion in a very simple meat-based diet. And I get it. There are areas that are nuanced. Otherwise I would not have any clients, right? So definitely it's not as simple, but for many people, when they start, it should be really simple. I don't think anyone should have to work with me. Maybe you can do like meet RX and do like a simple coaching where you just get the basics down. But when I talked to them, they basically said to me, look, confusion brings money to the market. And when you have confusion, you can make more money, right? So if you say, whether it's fear, whether it's confusion, it's like, that's how you sell, and, when and also saying, I have the answers, <laughs> right? Sorry. Yeah. Like you're, there's a lot of confusion, but come to me because I have the answers. Or I don't have the answer now, but follow my journey and I may find the answer and I'm right. just like you. Right. Right. And yeah. so again, we'll <laughs> probably have another whole uh, podcast on this, but yeah. So that was really eye opening for me because I realized, you know, where are people's motives? Um, are people just trying to sell or do people really believe these things? And it's just, let's, like you said, let's just get back to basics where, you know, we all agree that a meat-based diet is good for us. Yes, there are better qualities of meat, but, you know, I can share my mom's story. She, what, she's 69, she's turning 70, and she was a type 2 diabetic for the longest time. Um, she feel she, they are very thrifty and they, my mom is like just not fully working like she used to. So she is not a fan of eating grass fed. So she's like, I'm going to eat the meat I can. And so if there are some sales on like 
pasture-raised eggs, she'll buy that. But in general, she buys the conventional. But I am still more grateful she's eating this way than buying like the Costco burritos and hamburgers that she used to yes. buy. And as a carnivore or a almost carnivore, right? So sometimes she has like avocado and whatever else. But her blood sugar levels, if she were to have fruit after every meal, and she's tried that, right? So she's had like an orange or she'll have an apple, her blood sugar starts going into the 140. So for somebody like her, the carbohydrates from a uh, fruit diet does not work. And so for her, she has to stick pretty much all carnivore and it just works for her, right? So whether the diabetes comes from PUFAs or whether it comes from strict sugar, it doesn't matter when you're already insulin resistant and whether, uh, if you've already now have type 2 diabetes. None of those things matter. Sure, if you're younger, fine. But for people that are sick, which is kind of the audience you and I both are you know, kind of catering to, they just want to get better. And all these yeah. little nuances make it so hard. Like, okay, wait, so I can't eat um, grocery store meat because it's going to get me more fat or it's going to stall my weight. And, um, maybe I need a little bit of sugar to support my overall insulin and X, Y, Z, but it's just, you know what, let's just get back to simplicity. Let's eat more of a meat-based diet. And from there, if you want to add some different things for your own flexibility, so be it. Um, I just, there's, there's all these tools and all these levers, right? The supplement lever and the fat and protein lever. And for me, the big one is the fasting lever. And I get very, frustrated when I hear the camp of people that talk about how like women should never fast. And I agree that some women, it is not helpful for them to fast and it's not healthy for them to fast. If you don't have a lot of body fat, certain, you know, certain hormone imbalances, great. It's not ideal to fast. Myself, fasting is one of the things that saved my life and got me out of pre-diabetes. My husband obviously is not a woman, but he <laughs> reversed his diabetes with fasting uh, and carnivore. My mom is a woman you know, in menopause age and post-menopause age and fasting is the only way that they can regulate their blood sugar. They can eat zero carbs and still she could not get off of her medication. I could not lower my A1C until I added things like fasting, um, which is probably an entire episode for us at some point. Sure. But to say that that is a lever and a tool that can be used for some people, yes, it is helpful for some people. But to say that no women should ever fast is, I think, very damaging. And I think leads to people giving up on this way of eating completely because their blood sugar is not going to get regulated. They're not going to lose weight if they're eating three meals a day, eating meat whenever they want, eating as much meat as you want whenever you're hungry, and never worrying about fasting or time restrictions. I'm sorry, for a lot of people, me included, and a lot of people I love included, that will not work. And you have to have some kind of fasting in order to lose the weight, to regulate your blood sugar, and even to regulate a lot of your hormones. Um, and I think that's another one of those things that people can say it doesn't work for them, but to then speak about how it shouldn't work for any women or it's damaging, that's the part, that's when I get like frustrated. I, I understand it doesn't work for you. And I agree in your context and what's happening in your life, it doesn't work for you. But like to say that it's damaging for people to do that is, is I think where we do a disservice to the community because it can save lives. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that, you know, what does this mean for everyone that's listening? You know, all of these, the kind of the noise, the nuances, there are, you know, 
the thing is like you're bringing up fasting. I brought up supplements. There are ways to use levers and hacks and to get to root cause healing to lower. So for you, the root cause healing is healing insulin resistance, right? And so that's where there is no supplement you could really take. I mean, there are, there are ones that people will argue, oh, this will lower your diabetes or your insulin. But I think the best way, like you're saying is fasting is a great tool. My mom, she ends up, she's not a big faster. She'll maybe fast for a full day, but at most she eats just two meals a day, but she doesn't really eat more than that. Cause when she does, she notices her blood sugar goes up too. Right. So you have to figure out more than anything, what works for you. I asked my mom to eat more grass fed butters, this and that, but her markers are getting better and better over the years. So I don't push her on it because at the end of the day, if I'm going to push all of this, like here's the best meat quality. And then, and if she's like, I can't do this. So I'm just going to go back to eating a standard American diet. I'd rather have her longer eating maybe not the best meats um, than have her eat any standard American type of food. So going back, this just really is, you got to find what works for you. Um, so the first thing I would say is just consider your journey. Um, if carnivore makes you feel well, I would just ignore the noise. Stop doubting yourself if for you it's working okay. If you know that you are not under eating, you know for sure that you're using fasting in a healthy manner, that you're not eating disordered and you're like, oh man, I just binged this whole week. So now I'm going to fast just to compensate. That yeah. is not healthy fasting. Um, you can watch Laura's kind of journeys. I think you shared on your st Instagram stories, right? Like how you fast. Yeah, definitely. I talk anytime I incorporate it into my diet or, you know, my, my husband and my mom and I, we all try to kind of explain why I would be doing this fast or what's happening. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a future episode too. Yeah. So, you know, definitely figure out if it's working for you and in general, you just feel better than you did on a standard American diet, paleo diet, keto diet, whatever diet you came from, then I wouldn't worry about any of the noise. Like, Everyone has to have a spin or a platform to yeah. be well-known. And that's just the reality of social media. I really hate it. And I think that's part of the reason I'm just not on it as much because that's, it's just, if you want to be popular, you just can't follow the norm, right? And if you're, the norm is down now, everyone eats meat-based and that's kind of boring now. So let's do a spin. Maybe it's, you know, X or Y or Z, but if it's working for you, I would just, don't worry about, oh, wait, do I really need carbs for hormones? Or do I really need to eat just the pasture-raised chickens? I wouldn't worry too much. Again, if your blood work, if you feel well, then that's what should matter. Your N equals one is more important than what anyone else is going to be feeding to you. And I think then you don't have to be fear mongered by anything, right? Somebody's talking about a test that they had done that they're deficient in and they have these problems. Like what? maybe I have those problems, but I feel fine, but maybe I don't know. Maybe I should buy this test and go see if I have these, like, go, don't go looking for problems that aren't there. If you feel great and like, let that be your marker, let your, the way your symptoms and the way that you feel and all of those things be, you know, you don't want to be blind to things, get regular blood work done and check in on the, on the basic things, but you don't have to go, I think, searching for potential things that could be wrong if you're doing great. Um, you know, dig into the things that you're not healing with or that are not going well, or if you're not sleeping and dig into those things and, and use the supplements if they're necessary. But I think that, um, I think sometimes people just get caught up in what's being talked about right now and think that they have to find out. Yeah. And I, I see it with my clients all the time. If there's a new conversation and we'll get into specific conversations in future podcasts, but 
someone will bring up something that they've noticed that they had, whether it's mold, whether it's histamines, whether it's, um, I don't know, whatever else. And then I'm telling you within that month, all my clients I meet with, they're like, I think I have histamine intolerance, or I think I have a mold sensitivity and I need to get it tested. And I have to always, a lot of my clients, I have to walk them off the cliff. And at certain times I'm just like, sure, let's all get tested. Right. But the thing is, if you don't feel bad, then I wouldn't, get into those kind of uh, rabbit holes. Now, if you do feel bad, I would work with someone, right? So instead of just testing on your own, you can test forever. Not all tests are accurate. You should just take the time and the money because this is your health and no one else can support you. And instead of just watching someone on social media, I would work with someone, spend that time and then see like, do I really need a mold test or do I really need a gut microbiome test or do I really need a stool test, whatever it is, but at least working with a professional, you're not going to spend a ton of money on all these different random tests that you may not even need. And so for me, like, I don't even have my clients take a lot of these tests in the beginning. I could do it and say, let's just make sure and get every single panel done and I can make a ton of money, but I know that it's a waste of money. And so I just say, let's work, get to the root cause, and then we can see if we really need further testing. And so if you don't feel well, instead of just taking random tests that you have no idea for sure, because the reality is if you look at every illness, almost all of the symptoms are very similar, whether it's a mold toxicity, whether it's a histamine intolerance, whether it's um, heavy metal, all of them are going to show fatigue, brain fog, itchiness. How do you know which one it is? And then are you going to really test for all of them? So instead, maybe if you work with someone and spend that time, maybe you'll find someone that will be able to say, actually, your symptoms seem more like you should probably go the mold route or the histamine route or whatever other route. So that's what I would recommend if you just are not feeling well. Um, I think one other thing is if you do want to eat plant foods, you know, uh, Laura and I always say, but focus on the meat first, right? So if you want to eat plants, um, obviously go for ones that have the lowest anti-nutrient content. But if you want to eat some, I don't know, some veggies or some fruits, and you are metabolically flexible, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there is, again, no award for being strict carnivore. There's no award. It's this is your life and you want to get your health back. And this is the whole point of all of these types of diets. Um, if there's not an award or a plaque, in it, it's like, what am I? I need recognition. I am somebody who needs a plaque. Judy, can you mail me? I know. I'm sorry, but there's all the plaques. I, oh, actually, you know what? I put some uh, pickles in my chicken salad last week. So I think actually I would, I am knocked back to zero again because of that. <laughs> well, here, here's my thing is I think that you can add those things in absolutely, but you have to be honest with yourself. Like, can you actually handle that? Because I have tried many times, let's not speak about the peanut butter gate of 2020 (laughs) to like incorporate some things back into my diet because I thought, well, it's been long enough. I can handle it. And all it does is send me on a spiral of emotional stress, food addiction, stress, like, um, you know, mental anguish. I gain a bunch of weight. It's like a binge mentality. Like I can't handle that. And so just because you see somebody eating honey or fruit or having sweet potatoes, that might work for them. And that's totally okay that they do that, but it doesn't mean that you need it for some reason. And it doesn't mean you can handle it either. I'm sorry to say, and it's a grief that I have to bear a lot of times that I cannot handle those things emotionally, mentally, and physically. Um, but you do have to be honest with yourself and think, Maybe I don't need it, but can I even handle it? I think is something you got to look at. 
Yeah. And, you know, as a social media influencer, or doctor, or nutritionist in the space, I mean, I share content where I'm saying, okay, the best type of cheese is raw, but this is also real life, right? So this is why I always say in everything I put out, there's a balance with ideal eating and uh, real life. So I cannot always get raw cheese. So we have like we uh, right now in the um, our fridge, we have shredded cheese. It's probably the worst kind of cheese because it has all the like um, starch from potato starch to separate them. But again, this is real life. And we want that flexibility where we're not always having to just eat the most ideal foods. And then given all of that, as social media influencers or being in the space where we are kind of sharing knowledge, we are going to share ideals, right? So it's not always, if we were to say, it's okay, just have a little bit of chocolate once in a while, or it's okay, have a little bit of, I don't know, gluten once in a while. It's mixed messaging now all of a sudden, right? right. So people just stay to these extremes because that's kind of what works and it kind of just makes sense in terms of a diet, but that's not real life. So I always tell my clients, you have to do what works for you. So if you want to try the honey, which some of my clients have tried and it just made them feel worse. And so they stop eating the honey. If you want to try things, go for it, but you have to know where you fall with things. Um, like my mom, she tried the fruit thing and it's just never going to work for her because her blood sugar goes up too much. Um, and that's the reality. You just need to figure out what works for you and not just get overly, I guess, triggered by people that are posting things and almost fear mongering because that's what sells and what sells is what's going to get eyeballs to look at your stuff and, you know, so on and so forth. And so if carnivore or a meat-based diet is working, I just, I just wouldn't be so worried. I mean, I, that's why I wrote a whole book on it and there's a whole section on hormones and how we don't actually need it. And that's why I did an interview with um, Dr. Elizabeth Bright about how we don't need uh, carbohydrates for hormones because she is a hormone doctor. I, th I think that's it. And I think the, you know, from a health perspective, which is what you're an expert in, and just from a food addiction and weight loss perspective, like I understand some people might can handle less toxic vegetables. Um, but I don't want less toxic vegetables. I want cupcakes. <laughs> so if I can't have that, like I might as well stick to meat. And, and it's not that I'm restricting myself so much down to only eating meat. It's that that's where I feel freedom. And that's where I don't have this torture of like trying to worry about the proper ratios of like, you know, a half pieces of fruit and berries. Cause then all I want to do is put it on cobbler. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that, you know, that's where the freedom lies for me is knowing that I am, uh, I'm getting all the fuel that I need. I'm, you know, I'm healthy and I'm happy and this is what's working for me. And it's, it's hard for me even sometimes to ignore a lot of that noise out there. And so, you know, we hope that you can do that, especially if it's working for you. And if it's not, we encourage you to reach out to uh, an expert and, and try to get help on that. But um, yeah, I would say just, you know, what really matters is 90% of the days of what you're eating. And if you are striving to eat a cleaner diet, eating a meat-based diet, that's what's ideal. And then from there, if you want to add plants, if you want to, you know, have an occasional chocolate, or if you want to go to a different country and eat their kind of famous foods, and it has some carbohydrates, I hope you can do that. But I don't think there's a point in really, you know, not giving the opportunity for other people can, that can possibly heal. You know, you just think about all the people that have died with COVID or, you know, died of just obesity and having diabetes and the comorbidities of that. How many of them would have been better off just eating a meat-based diet and not right. knowing any of these nuances? And when you think of that, 
it's so ridiculous what we're seeing. And that's where I get so sad because I have so many clients that just want to refine this diet because they're that close to optimal health and they just need a little bit of help. But if they start listening to all these other people saying, well, for gut health, you need this, or for, you know, obesity, you need that. Well, that's when they start doubting and the diet unravels when they were that much closer to actually getting to root cause healing. And that's where we have to be careful with what we consume from a food standpoint, from a mental standpoint, you know, what are you consuming from an, from a social media standpoint? I don't consume nearly as much content in this space as I used to, because it's not helpful for me. And it's just not, um, it's not doing anything to encourage me. And I think we have to be aware of that um, with the food that we intake and also the content that we intake, whether it's carnivore or politics or media um, or just things that, other types of influencers, beauty influencers, and things that make you feel inferior and, and less than, you know, those are being aware of, of everything you consume uh, is one of the most important. Get outside, go for a walk, <laughs> get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Yeah. And this is really good. I mean, you know, this is what this podcast is all about. We'll talk about topics that have a little bit of friction, but you know, we hope that we can just put the realness in it and then let you figure out, you know, what is the kind of best approach with that? Um, You know, we will share a lot about our lives and just um, going against the grain. All right. We're going to wrap it there for today. If you guys liked this podcast, please leave us a review that helps us to do more episodes and get this reach further. You can come find me on YouTube at Laura Spath or come find me on Instagram at Laura E. Spath. Judy, what's the best way for people to find you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and I guess Facebook and Twitter as Nutrition with Judy. And then the book is Carnivore Cure. So you can find it on Amazon and it's also carnivorecure.com. On those social media platforms, you can check out, we are doing a meetup in Austin on May 1st. So you can find out more details there if you would like to attend. And we're also doing one in Phoenix on April 25th. So hope to see you guys at one of those events. Don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. This will help us to reach more people and share real talk with our communities. And if you know somebody that needs to hear this podcast, please make sure to share and tag us on social media. Have a good week, guys, and make sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. 
If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>